This talk is given by Vanessa Zvise Goddard, a writer and lay Zen teacher based in New York City. This talk, like all of Zvise's talks, is offered freely. If you'd like to make a donation, find out more about Zvise's teachings, or sign up for her newsletter, please visit her website at vanessasvisegoddard.org. Thanks for listening. May the merits of these teachings benefit all beings. May these words help and not harm. May they clarify and not confuse. May they self-liberate, leaving no trace of me. It is very good to sit with you. It's a little bit of a long day um, and it's good to, to end it this way. You know, yesterday uh, morning I was swimming at sunrise and the wind was low, the water turquoise clear. And to my left, there were boats just bobbing lazily on the waves. And to my right were many of the beach clubs, quiet, sleepy. And it was a little bit of a cloudy day, promising rain, but now and then the sun peeked out from behind a cloud as it slowly rose over the Caribbean. And I was still tired with this, with this tiredness that is just in my cells. Um, but in that moment, which for me tends to be, historically has been the best time of the day for me, I didn't mind it so much. And so I was just swimming slowly, steadily out, you know, towards the ocean, I guess. And now and then, the, and, and there, because it's the Caribbean, there are parts of it that are very shallow. And so I could catch glimpses of these tiny little blue fish. I tried to look them up and because I can't, I don't wanna just make up something. So I don't know what they were, but they were really cute. Swimming just in, in schools right under me. And at one point I took a stroke and I turned my head to breathe and was suddenly caught by a huge rainbow. And it looked almost painted in the sky as if someone had slipped out while everyone else was sleeping and just taken a brush to the clouds. It seemed so impossible because it wasn't raining. And afterwards I thought, you know, there are moments like these now and then, in moments when <clears throat> for me, where I feel fulfilled and at peace. And I notice them because despite all my years of meditation, I, I have a restless soul, a mel melancholy soul. And it is, in fact, a, a, an active endeavor for me to rest easefully in this, in me. And I know I speak easily of being in the moment, but I just want you to know that it's not easy. It doesn't come easily to me. 
And I want you to know because of what some of you have been saying to me recently. You've been speaking to me of your anxiety, your sadness, your at times, you know, inability to sit. Or when you do, your inability to stay on the cushion for long. Life is difficult. We know this. And there is so much to be anxious about nowadays, isn't there? Right, and scrolling doesn't help. Reading the news doesn't help. And so when even your cushion can't be a refuge, and this restlessness, you know, this anxiety is real. It is real because we feel it. It is just as real as a moment of ease. And so I was reminded of what Dogen said so many years ago. The zazen I speak of is not learning meditation. It is simply the Dharma gate of ease and joy, the manifestation of ultimate reality. The Dharma gate of ease and joy. How could he say this so surely? And what does that actually mean? when it is often so challenging, how can it be a gate of ease and joy? Why don't we experience it like this when we don't? Some years ago, I came across an unusual description of shikantaza. I've shared it with some of you. Shikantaza or just sitting. Yasutani Roshi, who is our Dharma great-grandfather. So he was my first teacher's teacher's teacher. He said that Shikantasa is like sitting in the center of a clearing in the forest, knowing that ultimate danger is about to strike, but not knowing what form it will take or from what direction it will come. And so that doesn't feel very easeful, does it? It doesn't feel very relaxed. But think about it for a moment. If right now you heard a noise nearby, you would instantly freeze. And all of your senses would be completely open and alert, right? You would be both incredibly still and incredibly alert, just like an animal in the forest, sensing danger and readying itself to respond. Because we often think of ease, you know, as lying on the couch, lying on the beach. And that is a kind of ease, you know, for sure. But there's also a, a dullness to it. You know, it's certainly not when I feel most alive. Is not, is not sparkling. And now think of a moment when you have felt most alive, most yourself in the midst of everything, fully engaged, fully still. And then the gate opens. 
then your being sparkles and you know yourself and the world in a different way. The field of perception is maximally open and receptive to being. This is Flora Courtois, and she wrote the essay in which I first read this Yasutani quote, and she was talking about her own path, which is incredible in itself. So it's worth reading just for that. But she quoted Yasutani. Yourself is maximally open and receptive to being. Right? I've said this before, just like this. And it's a fine line, right, between alertness and relaxation, between doing and being. And it's not even that it, I don't want to make it sound like it is just in these kind of magical moments, right? I'm swimming at sunrise and there's the, the rainbow. Because I feel it when I get ready for these evenings. And I have a very uh, particular sequence in which I do the setup. You know, setting up the stool that the computer goes on and the computer and the whole setup I have to do with the light and the camera and this other light the futon that I'm sitting on, et cetera. And I, I learned this years ago when I was uh, first participating and then helping to lead the camping retreats at the monastery and the ones that we did at the monastery, which taught people, right, how to camp. And one of the kind of cardinal rules to make your life a little bit easier is to have a very particular sequence for packing and unpacking. So that if you need to break camp, you can do that in the dark. You can do that in the rain, right? You don't have to uh, think. It is simply a sequence, a series of movements that at a certain point you do naturally, effortlessly. And so I trained myself to do that. And every time I would put the same thing in the same pocket of the pack, so I never had to rummage. I mean, it took me a while to get there. But when I got there, then I never had to rummage. I never had to wonder where was the flashlight? Where was the candle? Where was the stake, you know, for the, for the tent? It's a kind of liturgy. And so I do the same when I set this up and when I break it down after being with you. And I feel that ease. There's nothing else I would rather be doing, which is not how it started. <laughs> the first few times I set this up, I thought, oh my God, I have to do this every week. And now I could do it with my eyes closed. And it's, it prepares me to meet you. And it wraps something up when we're done. So any moment can be magical in that sense. 
And we know this too. And so how do we sit like this when it doesn't feel that way? When even getting to the cushion is hard. When staying feels impossible. Well, first we have to be willing to fail. We have to be willing to not know if we're doing it right. In one sense, that should be the fine print. If, it, if your teacher assigns you, gives you shikantasa to work with, they should tell you this. You will not know if you're doing it right. So forget about it. Just don't worry about it. It's not even the relevant question to ask. But because we are so success-oriented, because we so enthusiastically and insistently measure everything, we have to be willing to fail thoroughly. And we have to be willing to trust probably more than we ever have trusted before, that we're perfectly okay as we are. I know you've heard me say this a million times and you'll hear me say it a million more. That our zazen is perfectly okay as it is. Which does mean we have to let go of every last bit of measuring. And if we can't, that's okay too. Shikantasa can hold that even our obsessive measuring, our insistence to know that we're okay. And it is difficult to trust this. And I think because we're not used to feeling at ease generally, and because I think in general, we're also convinced that it has to feel different than pretty much every other moment we experience in our lives. When things don't feel right or complete. So somebody asked me the other day, is sitting enough? And I said, enough for what? To address all the problems in the world? No. Of course not. Sitting is not enough. Saving one being, 10 beings, 100 beings, a million beings is not enough. There's what, 8 billion of us? Protesting, lobbying, working for women's reproductive rights, transgender rights is not enough for climate change, for police, accountab police accountability. None of these are enough and they are necessary. So if we step back and we make a list of issues and we just start checking boxes, of course, it's not going to be enough. Nothing 
we could possibly do will be enough. Even realizing yourself is not enough. She was very disappointed when I said this to her. <laughs> and I said, it's because you're still measuring. If we think any of these things, realization included, is going to solve every problem and check every box. No, I can just tell you quite um, directly, assuredly. No, it, it is not enough. But again, this isn't the relevant question to ask. This is not the question that will lead to the end of suffering. I just finished reading uh, Michelle Obama's memoir, Becoming. And I was thinking of all the things, the dozens of projects, big projects that she started and saw through that affected real change. Of course, not to mention what her husband did. Do you think they're sitting back at, at home now and looking back and thinking, yeah, that was enough? And so many of them, in fact, were also willfully taken apart. And I suspect that they don't spend much time worrying about that. Because then they wouldn't have much energy left to do the work that they really do want to do. There was a desert father who lived in a cave and he spent his day weaving baskets out of palm fronds. And all day he would weave and weave and weave until the, the baskets would pile all the way up to the ceiling of the cave. And when the whole cave was filled, he would take them apart and then he would start weaving again. That's it. That was his spiritual practice. That was his prayer. So let me propose that a question that might help to open the gate or, or at least prop it open is how do I do without doing? How do I do without constantly jumping forward to the moment when I'll be done, when I'll have to worry about what is next, when I will finally be able to rest because I will be done with everything. How do I do without thinking that rest will come when I am done with everything? In other words, how do I rest in doing? You understand? Once a student asked Yaoshan, what do you think about sitting so still and so quiet? And he said, I think not thinking. 
And the student said, but how do you do that? How do you think not thinking? And Yao Shan said, non-thinking. He did not say, have no thoughts. He said, I think not thinking. How? Non-thinking. I sit, non-sitting. I work, non-working. And this isn't Zen speak. Well, actually it is, <laughs> but it's pointing to something true. It's pointing to a real way of being, of seeing, of moving through the world. Which brings me to the second condition for doing Shikantaza, right? So if the first is the willingness to fail or better to stop measuring failure altogether, then the second is we have to go deep. We have to fall like free diving. We have to let ourselves get to the heart of things. Because if we stay on the surface, there will always, always be something telling us seemingly that there's something wrong with us, right? That there's something lacking. Because on the surface, right, where the waves are buffeted by the eight worldly winds, praise and blame, success and failure, pleasure and pain, fame and disrepute, we will always find something to threaten our rightness. In the bottom of the ocean, where the water is still, we can see the truth of who we are, where we can feel our vastness. And so there the question, is it enough? Am I enough? I mean, it doesn't even come up. It is not even anywhere near that universe. So it's ironic and unfortunate that the thing we most need in those moments of anxiety, of deep sadness, is the thing we shun. But that too is understandable. We, we do this because we're afraid of feeling. Right? Feeling can be painful. But you know what? Not feeling is even more painful. Infinitely so. So the third condition is to open ourselves to feeling, to feel completely, to stay with difficult feelings, difficult thoughts, because it's the only way to self-liberate them. And by staying, I don't mean harboring them, I don't mean following them. And at this point, which is probably the most difficult step, I would say, if there are steps. I think feeling is the most difficult 
But I think it's because we often try, we, we, we get confused, we, we, we get lost in trying to understand the feeling, you know, where it came from, what's its place in my history and my karma. I was just reading this book on Mahamudra and Trangu Rinpoche was saying, it's just, it's looking at the feeling directly, at the thought directly, you face it. You're not trying to understand its interdependence. You're just trying to understand, understand is not even the right word, to be with the feeling itself. Allowing it to be as it is. to be with it without judgment, but with a sense of curiosity. Like, like, what are you? Where are you? And why am I so afraid? Why am I so afraid to feel when we are built to do this? We are. I have a mantra for this, for exactly these moments. Fear is the mind killer. I will face my fear. I will let it pass through me. And I wish I could tell you that it is some ancient teaching that I got from the sutras, but I got it from the children of Dune, <laughs> the movie. <laughs> and I thought, well, wherever you can find it, it is surprisingly effective. Fear is the mind killer. I will face my fear. I will let it pass through me. So fail, fall, feel. Shikantaza. You're not going to find this in the sutras either. And if this sounds not so easy, yeah, I would agree with you. But I think we have such a strong, often unacknowledged belief that if we're practicing correctly and that if we do it earnestly and really hard, then it will be easy. Sorry. Life isn't easy. Well, but then why practice? Right? People say this. And if I'm saying this, well, then what's the point? Because not practicing is even harder. At least that's what I think. And so it's not that it's always going to be smooth sailing, right? You're in the ocean. You're not in a pool. It's also not that it's always going to be hard. Sometimes it will be smooth. Sometimes it will be rough, just like life. But as you become more comfortable with that, it matters less to be comfortable. It matters less to be sure. Am I doing it right? You trust more that you can meet 
you know, you can glide over the little tiny wave and that you can brave the 10 foot wave. And so just to go back to the beginning, Master Dogen said Razen, and he was speaking of Shikantaza in fact, was the gate of ease and joy. So I'll throw out this question to you for after. Where is that gate to be found? How do you enter? Because if we are waiting for things to be smooth, to feel joyful, then we could be waiting for a long time. And the most difficult thing is to accept that the gate is not hidden. It's not hidden. It never has been. It never will be. All sorts of esoteric teachings, notwithstanding, the gate of ease and joy is not hidden. The gate is here. The gate is now. And so the question, I think, the relevant question is, how do I enter? Not can I do it, not will I do it, not do I have what it takes, just how do I do it? Thousands, millions of people have done it before me and they had exactly the same equipment I have. Human body, human mind. It has nothing to do with intelligence or ability, faith, belief, I mean, in one sense, it really is just fail, fall, feel. That's something we can all do. In fact, we do it all the time. So I guess all we have to do actually is to just do it on purpose. Just do it on purpose. For more talks, to get more information about Zvise's upcoming teachings, or to join her email list, please visit vanessazvisegoddard.org.